Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, a Disciple's Journey. This episode, uh, we'll talk about section 82. This revelation is given in April of 1832. Um, there was a council of the church held. There were some uh, disagreements settled between Sidney Rigdon and Edward Partridge, and it's interesting to note that it's only after those uh, misunderstandings were cleared up and forgiveness was offered and there was some unity that then this revelation uh, was given. There, that when there's contention and the spirit of contention, there couldn't be the, there couldn't be this revelation. There couldn't be revelation at this uh, general council of the church. Uh, in verse 1, the Lord refer, uh, refers to several saints in kind of an ambiguous, ambiguous way. He doesn't name any of them, but just says they've been forgiven. Uh, this, to me, relates to this Sidney Rigdon and Edward Partridge situation. Uh, and I'm sure there may, be of other, may have been other things at play as well. But as we seek forgiveness, we will be forgiven. And as we seek forgiveness and are forgiven, what, what purifies us? It's the Holy Ghost. Well, what brings revelation? It's the Holy Ghost. And we think of these things as these discrete, as in separate things, right? Like, oh, I'm cleansed from my sins and then I have the Holy Ghost. Well, no, to give me revelation. Well, no, if you're worthy of the Holy Ghost to be cleansing you and you've repented and you're uh, being purified by the fire that is the Holy Ghost, well, then you have the, that with you. And if you have that with you, you will receive revelation. Um, verse 7, uh, we learn that as we repent, we need to continue on that path. And if we don't, then not only will our mistakes that we make as we divert, diverge off the path be on us, but also our past sins that we had repented of and been forgiven of will also return to us. Um, Brigham Young said, it is, present salvation, it is present salvation and present influence of the Holy Ghost that we need every day to keep us on saving ground. When an individual refuses to comply with the further requirements of heaven, then the sins he had formerly committed return upon his head. Why? Because this purification of the Holy Ghost, that's what keeps us pure. And if we are no longer worthy of that, we lose that purification. Um, and now, verse 10. Can I can jump into this real quick? Sorry. It's maybe a little abrupt there. But the Lord, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. Um, James E. Talmadge said, Mormonism has taught me that God holds himself accountable to law as he expects us to do. He has set an example in obedience to law. I know to say this would have been heresy a few decades ago, but we have the divine word for it. I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, ye have no promise. He operates by law and not by arbitrariness or caprice. Um, I looked up the word caprice, by the way. It basically means doing something because you feel like it. He, the Lord doesn't operate that way. He operates by law. Now, think about why we are here. Why are we on earth? We are on earth to get a body. Why did we need a body? Because our Heavenly Father had a body and we need to be, we want to be like Him. He wants us to be like Him. So that's step one. Step two, it's to learn to be like Him. It's why He gives us laws now to follow. It's why He gives us commandments. He doesn't give them to us 
out of arbitrariness or caprice. He gives them to us because to become like him, you must learn, we must learn to follow law because it's what he does. It's how he operates. Those who receive the celestial kingdom will be those who abide by the celestial law and who can abide by the celestial law. And so when he promises us something, there are so many in the scriptures, there are so many if-then type of statements. Very rarely does this, does the Lord say, if you do this, then I'll do this. But if you look, that's what he's saying. Do this thing, and this was your, the blessing that you will receive. If then, all over the place in the in the Bible, in the Book of Mormon, in the Doctrine and Covenants, in in conference talks. If then, what the Lord is saying to us in those scriptures, in those verses, in those talks, is that He is bound when we do what He says. If you pay your tithing, I will pour out. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so that. And there won't be room for you to receive them. If you keep the word of wisdom, then you will have, uh, you'll find hidden treasures of knowledge. Right? There's no doubt. There can be no doubt. If we keep his commandments, if we are obedient and follow the law, we will be blessed. He will uphold his end of the deal. Always, every time, every time, every time. Uh, other verse I wanted to touch on in this episode is verse 19. Every man seeking the interest of his neighbor and doing all things with an eye single to the glory of God. This stands out to me in relation to verse 10 because it speaks to me about the, the nature of God and why we are here. So we talked about why we're, how that applies to verse 10. We're here to learn the law. How does it apply to seeking the interest of his neighbor? President Joseph Fielding Smith wrote, it is verily true that before we can enter into the celestial kingdom, we have to learn how to live in unity with love of our fellows at heart, desiring their good as well as our own, and not preferring ourselves before them. Here the Lord gave the church the plan and the opportunity to prepare themselves to by obedience to the celestial law. They failed, and the privilege to practice this law of consecration had to be postponed because we were not able to esteem our neighbor as ourselves. It is true that before we can enter into the celestial kingdom, we will have to learn how to to live in unity with love of our fellows at heart, desiring their good as well as our own, and not preferring themselves, or not preferring ourselves before them. Everyone is a self. We're going to use that, break that word down. Selves, right? You, yourself. So you say, I have myself. You have yourself, right? There's a, there's a bunch of selves, right? God esteems all flesh as one, not esteeming one above the other. That's what we have to learn in this life. Is to love a self simply because it is. Simply because it exists, simply because it is a self at all. When the Lord said, love me, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, look, it, look, I'm going to give you this math equation, and it's going to be hard, but I'm going to give you the sum already worked out, 
in one case, yourself. How do you love yourself? You take care of yourself. You wake up. Now, look, I get it. There are exceptions to this. Mental health problems are real. Mental health struggles are real. And there are, and depression is real where you don't want to take care of yourself. But what I'm talking about here is the way things ought to be, meaning the way things are normally. Uh, and when I say the word normally, I mean healthily, I guess. You, when you love, you love yourself, you may not be fond of yourself. You may not feel this, you know, like a romantic love for yourself, obviously, like you feel for maybe your spouse or your children, even that type of love, but, but you love yourself. You take care of yourself. You take care of your hygiene. You feed yourself, right? So you gave us the sum already worked out. So love that self. How do you love that self? Well, love other selves exactly the same way, exactly the same don't put yourself before that those other selves. That's what we have to learn in life, to be like him. Because he doesn't look at any self higher than another. Final, Actually, this is the final thought about this section because verse 22 is a pretty weird verse. He says, Now, I say unto you, and this is wisdom, make unto yourselves friends with mammon of unrighteousness, and they will not destroy you. So mammon of unrighteousness, that sounds like make friends with wicked people of the world is basically what that is like amounts to saying. History, uh, Church history and modern revelation book says this. Uh, the commandment of the Lord that the saints should not make themselves friends with the mammon of un- should make themselves Friends with mammon of unrighteousness seems to be hard saying when not properly understood. It is not intended that making friends of mammon of unrighteousness that the brethren were to take part with them in their sins, to receive them in their bosoms, intermarry with them, and come down to their level. They were to live that peace with their enemies might be assured. They were to treat them kindly and be friendly with them as far as correct, uh, as far as correct and virtuous principles would permit but never to swear with them or drink or carouse with them. If they could allay prejudice and show a willingness to trade with and show a kindly spirit, it might help to turn them away from their bitterness. Judgment was to be left to the Lord. So that what this verse said, is saying is be friends with your neighbors. Be engaged with their lives. Be kind to them, even if they have different standards than you. The Lord says, make friends with them. That way they'll be kind to you and you won't be destroyed by them. And also, your love for them and your ability to get to know them and to sucker them when they're weak and lift up their hands when they hang down and strengthen their feeble knees may be a catalyst for them accepting the gospel in some in some day. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. He doesn't put any self above others. He loves those um, people who are, are who are of the mammon of unrighteousness, just like he loves you. 
Now, he may be more pleased with you at times than he is with them because of the covenants that you've made and that you are keeping, but he doesn't love them any less. And our lesson to learn in life is to learn to love them and others in the way that he does, in a way that would lead us to laying down our life if necessary for them because that's the way that he loved them and loves them because he did lay down his life for them just as he did for you and for me. Thank you for listening. I hope you join me in the next episode. It will be quite brief as we discuss section 83 of the Doctrine and Covenants.